There's no business like show business, like no business I know. The hills are alive with the sound of music. From the beautifully restored Brownwood Lyric Theater in revitalized downtown Brownwood, it's waxing lyrically. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. The podcast devoted to and hosted by our own lyric theater players. For the people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. People all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. And now here's your host for tonight's installment, Karen Myers. Welcome to another episode of Waxing Lyrically. This is your host, Kieran Myers, and today we are getting to know Kasha Rose, one of the darlings of the Brownwood Lyric Theater stage. (laughs) How's that for an intro? (laughs) Kasha was briefly interviewed on another podcast with several other members from the cast of Get Smart. Oh, that's right. I was concussed at the time. You were concussed when we did the Get Smart oh, interviews. Yes, I, that, for, I really forgot that I had done that. Actually, hey, we might uh, that might come up in conversation in a little <laughs> bit. So, several great things came out of that small time slot that you had with Paul, such as references to your Olympic eyebrows. <laughs> Your immersive practices and character analyses for learning your role and their environment, as well as how you relish doing less with more and infusing your lines with as much potency as possible. That's so nice. Did you you go back and pull all of those things out as quotes? You darn skippy I did. I'm glad you did because I don't remember saying any of those I am so glad I did now because I also forgot you two were concussed, but my memory loss is from a completely different reason. Well, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So let's just start like at the basic of Casha Rose. Let's just grind back like 20 years. Oh, gosh. uh, Yeah, there we go. And tell me, what if any of your childhood aspirations ever included theater? Uh, Really none of them. It was not a thing that I thought I was going to do as a child. Um, I wanted to be a firefighter ballerina when I was five. That was what I wanted to do. Spotlight and saving people. (laughs) Firefighter ballerina. I love it. So what was the first theatrical or musical type production that you went to that you were like, that? I really got voluntold into theater and then I just stayed um, I, I was probably seven, I think, when I, the first, like, live production I remember seeing. Do you remember what it was? Uh, yes, it was Cats. It, it, <laughs> I it. That was what it was. And my, my aunt took me, not because she was like, oh, she loves theater. That hadn't really transpired at the time. But she said, oh, she loves Cats. So let's go see a musical <laughs> about Cats. <laughs> and so we did. Um, and I, I still, like, really vividly remember that. I was even though I was very small when it happened. Um, but yeah, I got voluntold, I think, in the fifth grade. Okay. Um, we it's had like just, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We had just moved back to, um, I, I say that I have two hometowns. So we had just okay. moved back to Winsboro. Okay. My dad had just been asked to come on as pastor at the church there. And the music minister was in charge of doing the Vacation Bible School musical. Okay. And he said, you're the pastor's kid. I can tell you to do this. And I said, <laughs> okay. <And> so... <laughs> So look at that. Yeah, so look at that. And no, it was wonderful. I mean, I loved every minute of it. It wasn't a drudgery at all. It was him and his wife, and they ended up becoming two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Thanks, Scott and Jenny. I hope you're listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) We can tag them when we share this on social media. They're so wonderful. And I mean, I really have them to credit for 
being in theater at all. Well, um, thanks, Scott and Jenny. Yeah, thanks, Scott and Jenny. Yeah, because, we appreciate having yeah, you here. <laughs> yeah, because I had so much fun that they said, well, hey, if you enjoyed this, the, the community theater here is really active, so you should go be involved if you want to, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I had a really good time with this. This sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And so they kind of got me plugged into the community theater, and then I just haven't stopped in good long time so we are so thankful for that um tell me a little bit about your story i remember snippets like oh i went to a community college Mm -hmm. and do you have an associates in theater or were you just taking all the theatrical classes you could yeah great question so i do i do have an associates um in high school, I've, I've wanted to be like 800 things in my lifetime, and I really still want to be about 300 of those things. Okay. There's, it's a lot. I want to do a lot of things because <laughs> I just am so fascinated by everything. Um, but insatiable in, curiosity. Truly, yes. Very insatiable. Just about everything under the sun. I was planning to double major. That was the plan. Um, and I had been interested in this program that they had at the community college that had a lot of travel elements, a lot of cross-curricular lecture elements, which really fascinates me. So um, you were crossing over these really abstract things, like crossing over Texas history with biology and Mm -hmm. talking about how, like, Sam Houston was an an amoeba or how so-and-so was a catalyst for this. But talk about that on a chemical level. What did that mean for Texas history? And I was like, what? That's how my brain works. I want to be with people like that. And so um, so I, I knew, I think probably my junior year, I knew that that was where I wanted to start. And they gave me a scholarship, which was great. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was where I started, was at the community college. And I did that program, but I was also a theater major. And so I did graduate with my associates in theater. And how did you come to transition to Howard Payne to earn that Bachelor's of Arts in? In theater. In, in theater, okay, okay. And Spanish. Oh, and, and computer information systems. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what can you not do? Fly. Okay. <laughs> That is a quote from Ever After, which is very dear to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the best. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was all it was all Nancy Jo Humfeld. She was an adjudicator for us for one act play my junior year of high school. Okay, and she had sent me like a a scholarship offer letter, and it you know just a hey, come check us out kind of offer, you know. Um, and I put that letter in a box. I was like, oh, you know, that's nice. Like, so nice, so sweet and thoughtful that the <laughs> judge thought that I was worthy of a scholarship. Like, that's really great. But I knew that I was starting at the community college. And so I put it in a box somewhere with other keepsakes and forgot about it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And so then my dad's youth minister when he was in high school was Tracy Ebarb, who previously lived in Early and is friends with Dr. Humfeld. And he had come to Northeast Texas to our um, church and had, I I can't remember if we were doing like a missions emphasis or what what he was even there for, but ended up eating lunch with our family after and said, hey, what are you doing with your life? You know, what's the next step? And I said, well, I'm looking for a university to transfer to. And he said, you should check out Howard Payne. And I did the social niceties of, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Honestly, genuinely, completely forgot. Like, did wasn't trying to be rude. I just completely forgot that he even said anything. Hey, it's okay. When your but, mind is in, interested in 800 different things, yes, yeah. you got to rein it in. Focus on one? Yeah, it's a little, maybe a little ADD. But um, but he came back and talked to Dr. Humfeld and said, hey, she's looking for a university to transfer to. You should talk to her. So Dr. Humfeld calls me, emails me, emails my dad, and is like, hey, you want to come check us out? I, you know, I sent you that letter, and that's still good. If you want to come audition for more scholarship money, whatever you want to do. And so I uh, I came to Howard Payne. I visited on a good Friday when the whole university was shut down, actually. Oh my but it was the only day that my dad could come with me. And so Dr. Humfeld and Dr. Ewan said, oh, that's the only day you can come? No worries. We'll, we'll be up there. 
Oh, love Howard Payne. Uh, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And so it was, I had looked at several other universities. Um, I had started with sort of a big list, narrowed it down, and then had auditioned at multiples in multiple different states. I looked in Louisiana. I looked in Arkansas. I looked in Oklahoma. I looked in Texas. And so um, just, you know, looking around and came to Howard Payne and had really been asking, okay, God, look, <laughs> I, I want to do what's best, you know, not mm-hmm. just what's good, but like your best. That's what I want to pursue. So show me which one that is, because none of these are bad options. Yeah. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be looking at them, obviously, but like, what's, what's the best. And I really asked for something that could be my home for a little while. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my, <laughs> my specific prayer. Um, because that's important, you know, I'm, I'm like, I don't have to be with my family, but I need a family, mm-hmm. you know, I need, I need a community. Exactly. And, and it's community theater. It's, you know, it has and, two meanings uh-huh. <laughs> and look what the Lord provided. And so, um, I came to visit Howard Payne, talked to Dr. Humfeld, talked to Dr. Ewan and the Lord just really showed me like some very clear, Hey, this can be your home for a little while things. And I said, okay, let's go. So let's circle back to something you mentioned earlier. We talked about um, forgetting and being concussed. So Uh let's give our listeners the background story on the concussed statement so that we can make our way to where we are currently. And it's it's okay. You know, Paul can always edit this out if it gets a little convoluted. Okay, yes. And I I can give the very abbreviated version because... Nobody needs all the medical details. And if you want those, you can come ask me because I'm fascinated by it. But I understand that not everybody is as fascinated (laughs) by medical tragedy as I am. Um, So April of 2020, the world had just shut down. Mm -hmm. And I got hit in my car. Oh. Um, Yes. By another car? By another car, yes. Um, I was at a complete standstill, and this man was speeding and on his phone. And I was stopped, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw the moment when he looked up, and he knew that he wasn't going to have time to stop. Oh, my goodness. Horrifying. Um, And it totaled my car, and it totaled my body in ways that nobody really realized, not even myself. So, of course, after there's all the adrenaline and yada yada. And I, I got up. I got out of the car. I walked away. He walked away. The baby that he had in the car with him, totally fine. Everybody seemed fine. Weren't you holding that baby, comforting the baby I, while the father was coming undone a little bit? Um, yes. Yeah, I actually was doing that. Um, because among other really weird brain quirks, the Lord has just given me like tunnel vision, maternal instincts sometimes. <laughs> and so I... I got out of my car and I like I, I've just been hit and I get out of my car and the first thing I hear is a baby crying and I like felt my brain tunnel vision find the baby save the baby find the baby save the baby find, that's the only thing that was going on in my internal dialogue find the baby save the baby and so I'm looking around I'm like what is it oh my gosh this baby is in this man's back seat and so I I'm a little hazy on the details in the middle, but I said something like, give me your baby right now because we can't have him sitting in the middle of traffic during rush hour. <laughs> I don't think it was verbatim that, but it was something like that. Oh, my goodness. And um, he did do that because he, oh, he was completely in shock. Like, I've seen people in shock before, like actual legitimate medical shock, and he definitely was. Um, and so like a, a robot or a zombie or something, he just opened the door and takes this child out and hands this child to me. And I, I, it was in front of my house, and so I just bounced into my own yard and with the baby, and I was like, out of traffic, need the baby, out of traffic. And so, <laughs> and so yeah, I just stood there holding this crying child that I had never met before because that's what 
the Lord made me to do, I guess. Yeah. And um, so anyway, that was bizarre. So that was that was the catalyst. Um, and again, it was April 2020. The world had just shut down. Nobody was being taken to the hospital unless they were dying because the hospitals were full of dying people, are mm-hmm. full of dying people. Um, and so we, we the par- I mean, the paramedics checked us out, but they basically said, hey, are you good? And we said, I think so. Nothing's broken. Question no mark. internal bleeding. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Um, nobody expected that all the things would happen that happened. And his car was horribly totaled. Mm. Um, mine was definitively totaled, but looked like maybe it didn't sustain as much damage. And so that was another reason why I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I ended up going to the chiropractor and she, you know, kind of released me. She said, I've done as much as I can do. And the rest is deep tissue trauma. And it's going to take a little while to heal. Okay, great. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. I can deal with that. But fast forward a year and a half, fast forward. And I, I look down at my calendar and I say, Oh, it's been a year and I'm worse. And maybe that's not okay. So I should go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor May of 2021 and she says, "Uh, oh, um, you've had a concussion for 13 months. Like it startled her when she found it. She forgot I was in the room because she had me hooked up to this machine and all these things. And she was like staring at her computer like she had seen a ghost. And she said, um this is bad this is really really bad and I was like can you talk faster and tell me what's wrong with me please because I feel like I'm dying in that 13 months when you were concussed you did get smart clue and was it just get smart and clue I think it was just get smart and clue because they're oh 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 we did Augustus did does his bit and Augustus did that one yes but that is so you were memorizing lines memorizing blocking all while operating on a concussed brain Loosely memorizing lines and blocking. I, Should we all ad lib in well, theater? That's, that's the secret. Fair. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. No, and it, it was so liberating to have the concussion diagnosis because I genuinely thought I was losing my mind. And I was honestly starting to question, is is the theater what the Lord has called me to the way that I have always thought that it was? Um, because that was a very clear thing in, in high school. He said, this is your, your mission field. This mm-hmm. is not just a hobby for you. This is your mission field. You, you go and you learn the language and you love the people. That's what I want you to do. And my brain just wasn't functioning in that capacity for 13 months. And so I was really starting to question. I was like, I don't know. Maybe the Lord's taking me out of this and I'm going to grieve that a lot. But I, okay, you know, if that's what you want, God. Um, and so thank the Lord. Oh, no, I was just concussed. That's why I couldn't remember my lines. That's why my body felt destroyed all the time. That's why just, I mean, run down this laundry list of problems that I was having that I couldn't figure out why they were happening. Mm. And you're concussed and nobody knew it. Sabbatical. (laughs) Oh, yes. Personal sabbatical. Oh, I was also doing master's work. Oh, good at golly. the time, which I do not I understand. That. Yeah, I know. I forget about it too because I forgot because I'm concussed. Yes. <laughs> so, I started in that summer. I started a, a master's in theology and ministry at Howard Payne, and I I still have no idea. It was the grace of God only that I was able to do. It. I'm like writing master's level research papers. I don't know. I went through them yesterday. I sat down and looked, and I was like, I wonder if these were actually any good. <laughs> They, they um, don't pass you out of pity at Howard Payne, though. Yes, truly, exactly. <laughs> they were not great. They really were not. Um, and I, I was like, it's a really good thing that I take copious notes in class because I, I do not remember. I remember physically sitting in the seat, but I do not remember most of what we talked about. Um, and part of your PTSD is chronic spinal pain. Is right. that at? So yeah. your paraspinal yeah. muscles are constantly spazzing. And so even when you feel... Like you've been hit by a train or, or a car in this instance, yes. 
you find a good cathartic outlet in theater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my dad the other day and I said, I need to, I need to tell you something. I've come to this conclusion. Um, I'm realizing I'm actually, I'm actually drugging myself (laughs) on a daily basis. (laughs) And bless him, he did not even look the least bit concerned. He looked at me and said, oh, huh, tell me, tell me more. Tell me more, Tasha. (laughs) And just being here, being with the people, doing the things that we're all made to do, creating as the creator made us to create, telling stories, connecting, human connection. Those are such a brain chemical high. They yes. really are all the happy chemicals, all the oxytocin, all the serotonin, all the happy brain chemicals that are naturally occurring in your body. I know that I get hits of those when I come up here, which like makes me sound like a druggie. But like, what? why do you do your hobbies? Why do you do those things? Because they make you feel good. Exactly. Well, you know why? Because of your brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm functionally medicating myself with happiness and the goodness of God by coming to the theater all the time. Oh, my goodness. And about how many lyric productions have you been a part of because I know you have several community high school collegiate I started was it came out of the heart it was not it It was was um Christmas bells that's right yeah 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 so I came in 2016 and that fall was my first lyric show that we did and I have just kept at it so yeah what is your favorite show to have been in and what is your favorite show to have worked on here or somewhere else Let's keep it local. Okay. Um, Big Kala and Little Tumia. I loved you in that. Oh, merciful heavens. I think that's when my daughter Charlotte fell in love with you, too. <gasps> it's okay. Oh, yes. Charlotte. I love Charlotte. her. Mm-hmm. Oh, Charlotte. Um, but yeah, that I love Kipling. So that story came out of the anthology that is The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book is mm-hmm. not only Mowgli's story, as, as we all know you know yeah are usually familiar with um there's a story about a seal there's a story about uh ricky Ricky tabby is in that compilation yes Yes, as well yeah um there's there's multiple stories that are completely separate from the jungle book that we usually think of and one of them is called to my of the elephants and that has been one of my favorite stories for years and years and so i i remember the day that we were in class and dr ewan said oh yeah for our kids show this year we're gonna do this kipling story and I, I slammed my hands down on the table. I did not, it was not for dramatic effect. This was a completely <laughs> organic reaction. And I looked, I whipped my head around. I said, what? We're doing what for the children's show? <laughs> and he looked at me like, you know that, you know that story? That's one of my favorite stories. Are you kidding me right now? And he, as if it was so casual, said, oh yeah, and I'm going to change the, the main character who's a little boy. I'm going to change it to a little girl. As in, I could play her. You're gonna change. Is that what you're saying? I, I, I just all of these noises start coming out of because my face. the words were just jumbling around just too much to come out. Completely gone. I was so ecstatic, and I told him afterward. I said, I I know that I had um, rather a large reaction to that, but I, what I want you to know is, regardless of how the casting falls, 
I am going to do so much on this show for you. Like I am there any moment that you need anything. I am there because I am so <laughs> emotionally invested in the story that I don't care. I don't care if you change it back to a little boy and like somebody else, but I don't care. I don't care what happens. I just am so excited to be involved in all of these things. Um, and so it was an amazing journey of the Lord's faithfulness and really difficult things were happening in my personal life at the time. And so that was an amazing constant to be able, you know, to come to very and grounding, very grounding, very much a thing of like the Lord reminding me, Hey, even when the rug gets yanked out from under you, there are still steady things. And I am your steady thing ultimately, but I'm mm-hmm. going to give you these things to do. I could go on for hours about little tiny, huge God moments in the midst of all of those things. But yeah, building the elephant, doing all the research, riding an elephant, like a real elephant myself for research. Oh my gosh, that's a whole story of Providence in and of itself. Just ridiculous up the, I mean, amazing. And then you get to actually seeing the kids' faces and then it just layers on layers on layers of of grace and goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, what's your favorite one to have worked on like in in the tech capacity? I like anything where they let me up on the catwalk. I love. Yes, I, know you do. <laughs> I really do love lights. I'm passionate about good lights. Ooh. Maybe it's the photographer in me. Love anything where I get to help with light. I I really do enjoy painting, and I nonsense was a really fun one for that. I got to paint these little farm animals oh. and like make posters with Chris and all these different <laughs> things. And so that was really fun. Well, because I ASM'd on that one um, as the assistant stage manager for that, and so that was um, a great time. And got to do that with Corrine, which was so wonderful because Chris was in it. Yes. So Chris was in stage manager. Oh, it was spectacular. So that was probably my favorite tech. So since you've had a lot of experience on the stage and behind the curtain, tell me about a mishap, a memorable mishap, a memorable mishap Ooh, that um, is um, public knowledge sure, worthy. Sure. <laughs> um, like involving blood or not involving blood. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. OK. Um, this this I'm just going to go with this one because it's the one that I carry the biggest scar from. Like a um, physical scar? A physical or scar. Oh, no, okay. a physical scar. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. So friends, if you are squeamish, I'm not going to go into like gory detail, but if you if you don't like hearing about other people's pain, perhaps fast forward a few minutes. Um, my eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're talking like 13, 14? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're doing a, a show, a, an incredible show called The Terrors and Promise. Okay. Um, it's a sister show to I Never Saw Another Butterfly. So if you're familiar okay. with that, it's set in the Holocaust. And it's about this group of children whose uh, teacher um, really impresses upon them the importance of documenting the things that are happening to them. And so she mm. encourages them to write poems and draw pictures and write about their experiences, even as children, as they're legitimately in the middle of a concentration camp. They were still under the impression that they would get out. And she said, when we get out, the world needs to know what happened. Beautiful story. So powerful. Just an incredible show. We were doing this for our one act. And at the same time, actually, in our eighth grade and, reading and class. And you were eighth graders doing such a heavy yes. show. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And so the, the really spectacular not coincidence, but coinciding was that was the year in our school system. I don't know how everybody does it, but that's the year that you learn about the Holocaust. Oh, wow. Very impactful to say the least. That is an understatement. And, uh, so our, (laughs) our first public performance, (laughs) we, uh, we have all these big metal trunks that the Nazis cart around. Yes. Okay. 
<clears throat> the side curtains um, on the sides of the stage are called the legs. Mm-hmm. That's what they're called. So you have multiple legs on the stage <laughs> on either side. Okay. And uh, between two of these legs was supposed to be one of these large metal trunks. Oh, no. I was scripted to run between two different curtain legs. Oops. And the metal trunk was misplaced. Oh, between no. Between the, the metal, between the two legs that I was supposed to be running through. Um, so blinding stage lights, mm-hmm. dashing off stage. The context is into my pitch char- black. Into pitch black. Yes, the context is my character is uh, being summoned by the Nazis to actually be carted off to Auschwitz. So, okay. not super fun. But they're they're shouting at her like you have to come, you have to come, and they're they've got guns trained on her. You know, it's this very intense moment. And so I run from far stage left all the way up over to stage right, and I hit this metal trunk mid shin. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I somersault over it, and oh I land gosh. on my back. And I think that was the first time in my life that I had ever blacked out. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I yeah. can't imagine yeah. that you would not. Uh, yes. have. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so I come to, and there's this circle of faces around me. This is public performance. There's an yeah. audience, okay? And uh, I come to, there's this circle of faces over me. I still remember it so vividly. And they're like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay?" Are you okay? Are you okay? Because the show is still the going on. The show is on. still going on. Yes, there is a scene that is continuing to happen. <laughs> and I said the words as an eighth grader, go be where you're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it left a scar. Let's see that scar. She's right here. Oh, yes. Indeed. There's, a, there's still a dent in, in, the, in the bone. Right, oh, my right gosh. There, mention. Um, but yeah, so, so blessedly, there was one kid who actually was supposed to be right there. And so he kind of helped me gather myself, get up. And he's like, are you actually sure you're okay? I really think so. I'm not 100%. So really your character didn't here. have to go back on stage, though. So I did, but oh. not in that moment. Okay, okay. So again, Providence, I had very little blocking. I was basically a memory for the rest of the show because I died in the first three minutes. Okay. And so, every, I mean, it's like that sometimes and it's okay. Uh, so I, I would walk on stage, stand, have a little scene, and then walk back off because okay. I, I was playing the teacher. And okay. so she was mostly standing and instructing. Okay. Um, and so I limp backstage to to the other side of the stage where my next entrance is and I finally kind of sit down and actually have enough light to assess the situation and I mean just so just open wound like it's it's just (laughs) we'll leave it at that (laughs) yes we'll leave it there but it was kind of appropriate because it's like well it's the holocaust your clothes are torn already yeah and you know all of these things and so if it was gonna happen that was the show for it to happen yeah yeah Oh my goodness! But, uh, but we made it through, and um, that's probably the most disastrous. Let me ask you, because you've been in so many productions, what is your dream role to play? Unless you've already played it. You know, I don't think I have one. <gasps> I know I'm really bad at favorites. Anyone who's oh. ever asked me a question like this, nobody ever wants to play "Would You Rather" with me because my answer is always "It depends," and I'm also really bad at favorites. It could depend on what, so, how I wake up that morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yes, truly, it really can. Um, I'm trying to think. You've done to major sure parts, lying. minor parts, chorus. Oh, yeah. You've done everything in the yeah. back. There's nothing Kasha won't do at the theater. It's, am- it's all amazing. Why would you not? Why would you know. not want to do any of those things? They're just, they're, it's, all, it's all amazing, and it's all magic, and it's all creating, which is magic. And so I, I don't know. Like, why would you not want to do you know, any of those things? Tell me, getting on a little more personal level, about you, because we've talked about your history and your extensive resume. <laughs> um, what is something that people seem to assume about you or to misidentify with you? I think 
people think that because I have a lot of joy that I haven't been harmed by very much heartache. Mm -hmm. I think that's a common assumption, which I think is tied kind of hand in hand with this idea of like maybe innocence mm -hmm. or, or maybe being a little bit naive. And those things are untrue in a, in really, really tragic and also really, really beautiful ways because, and this is what I was telling this friend. I said, I know that you're not going to believe me when I say this out loud to you, but I'm going to say it because it's true. There is nothing that you could say to me that you have done or that has been done to you that would make me not love you. And I promise you that whatever you say, I can pretty much guarantee you within about a 98% certainty that I have someone in my life that I love that has told me the exact same thing. I feel like people don't have those conversations. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so I'm very passionate about being <laughs> being an instigator of those conversations. <laughs> Do not say, misattribute anything to Kasha Rose. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, that's, I think that's a pretty common one. And then it's really fun to watch. And it's a grace gift to watch people's faces when they tell you something that they feel like is horrible about themselves and you love them anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's oh, it's the best feeling in the world. Like, I just, <laughs> like, why, why would you think that, that that discounts you? Why would you think that that makes you less human? Why would you think that because this thing happened to you or because you did this thing that you would be any less lovable? Why would you think that? I, and I don't know. I think that people don't don't know that other people have that capacity. I love that answer. Thank you for being brave enough to share that. Because I think many of our interpersonal relationships and interactions require that level of vulnerability on both sides to say, hey, let me share your burdens along with the person yeah. who needs to unload them. Yeah. That is amazing. That's your, that's your LPC coming out. Truly, yes. <laughs> and, and that's really the interesting thing, too, is that uh, the reason that I didn't pursue being an LPC is because one day the Lord leaned in and said, that's not the kind of counselor I meant. Mm. And I was like, what the heck does that mean, God? What are you, what you talking about? <laughs> that's not the kind of counselor I meant. I already had my office planned out. I was going to have <laughs> juice boxes and blankets for the grownups. Like, let me tell you, I was going to have all these things in my office. I had this all tracked out. And the Lord said, that's not what I meant. I want you... I want you to love people that way, but I don't want it to be in an office. I want it to be life on life. Mm. Okay. What is something that you are just dying for people to know about you? We've already talked about misattributions, like people, I need you to know this about how awesome I am or that like secretly every morning you trip over the same, you know, foot of your bed, <laughs> leg of your bed. Friends, I wish that you could see the face that I made when Kieran just asked that question. <laughs> I hate this question. Um, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I love you. So it's whatever. Um, what do I want people to know about me? I don't know. I mean, I guess that. I guess that the world is ugly and you're not uglier than it. And you can be loved anyway. Mm. I guess that. That is so deep. I would have said I, that I secretly like Cheetos with cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but but I, I, I really don't. <laughs> Oh my goodness. What else what else is important? I don't know. What else would I want people Those to know? Those are important. Those are important things. So we've done a little bit of personal. Let's go back to some theater. Okay. What was the hardest part for you to play? Oh, Gilligan. Gilligan. Oh my word. Oh, but my Gilligan. I, well, yes, my Marianne, I know, but it was 
it was the most frightening role of my whole life. Like more frightening than being myself, which is just scary in and of itself. Like we all freak out about having to live our own lives. And like, so was... in theater, that's called a pants role, right? Yes. When yeah, yeah, you yeah. are a woman playing a male character. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was not your first pants role. Uh, first, like full main stage production okay. pants role. Yes, I okay. had done some things like in classes, you know, okay. but never for never for a main stage production quite so, in that way. What was difficult about being Gilligan? Oh, what wasn't difficult <laughs> about being Gilligan? Oh, I'll tell you what wasn't difficult. The <laughs> cast. The cast was incredible. Obviously, Larry was incredible. Yes, I. The cast was spectacular, and you guys, and Dean, and Larry, and just everyone, obviously the grace of God, was the only way that I got through that, because that was, like I said, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of shows, again, just like, it's just like breathing mm -hmm. to me, and so it's not something that I think about of like, oh my gosh, what if I can't do this, and not in like an arrogant way, but mm -hmm. in like a, i I know what hard work is. And so if you hand me a thing that kind of freaks me out, maybe a little bit, I'm going to be like, you know what? Let's buckle down and get this done, sucker. Like, let's <laughs> <laughs> And so that was that I had done roles in the past that were difficult and that were, you know, maybe more emotionally taxing than others and just different mm -hmm. things like that, that I had said, OK, nose to the grindstone. We can make this happen. Like, I can't do it right now. Mm -hmm. But by golly, by opening night, we're going to have worked hard enough to have it down. That kind of thing. We're going to have a believable Gilligan. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, no, because this was the first time that I had ever been asked to do something that I truly was absolutely, completely unsure that I was even capable of physically pulling off. So we were digging deep oh, inside. Oh, my word. That it was some of the most broken and frightened that I had ever been. I, cry, I think I cried before every rehearsal and probably after most of the rehearsals as well. Oh, I would no. sit in my car. I mean, in it. That's not like a pity thing. It's just like the, I was that nervous because I, I wanted to do it well and I wanted yes. to be there for everyone, you know, and tell um, the story correctly. And tell the story well. Yes, it's a, a beloved character and a beloved story. And so and you want to do your it. favorite time of TV. Truly, 60s. Yes, my era. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just. I was really not sure. The acrobatics, I was like, oh, that's easy. I can fall down all day long. Like, the, I can clamber up ladders, and I can somersault around, and I can drop down into a quicksand pit. Like, that's easy. That's just that's just athleticism. Like, I'll just work out a little bit, and we'll be able to do that. That's fine. But I don't read music. And it was a musical. Yeah, yeah. Dean taught us all to sing. Truly, yes. Well, except yes. for Jonathan. What he had that blessing. down. Oh, yeah. Jonathan was great. Um so it was a musical. I'd never had a principal role in the musical. So the first principal role in a musical I have is not even playing a woman. So what, what is that even about, you know? Um, and so Wait, Larry's creative Larry's genius. Larry's creative genius, truly, yes. So many things that we do for Larry's creative genius, and we're so thankful. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of just the first time that I had ever been truly just horrifically frightened that I was completely incapable of doing the things that were being asked of me. And, and nobody would have known nobody. otherwise. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, um, being with you was truly very helpful too. I okay. hated pretending that I was uncomfortable around you because I was uncomfortable <laughs> around you normally. <laughs> and I would go, friends who don't know this, um, we would go backstage because Kieran and I would sit on stage and she would, you know, make goo goo eyes at me and I would have to there look incredibly to kiss uncomfortable. My Gilligan. Yes, truly. I was rejected over and over. <laughs> 
<laughs> so many rejections. And we would, as soon as we were off stage, I would turn around to Kieran and be like, I still love you. I really do. I promise I'm not uncomfortable around you. I still love you. I really do. And so anyway, I was... love those reassurances. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, that was by far the most frightening role that I've ever done. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Tell me about some people that you've met at the Lyric. Ooh, just like anything. Who would you have not otherwise met if it hadn't been for the Lyric? Ooh. I feel like a lot of people, I think we have a very diverse mm-hmm. family here. And so I. Ricky Jones, I would never have met. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he doesn't even live here. He lives in Santa Ana. Yeah. And aren't we all thankful for that i'm not, not that he lives in santa Ana, but aren't we so glad that, <laughs> are we so thankful that he comes to us he'll take we, a broom and dance across the stage truly, in the middle of mama yes. mia and ricky just brings such joy and warmth to my heart and so i'm so incredibly glad that he is involved in the lyric and that thereby i get to be involved in his life because that's just such a blessing to mine and so yeah ricky's for sure one um who else would i never have met probably never would have met val oh gosh yeah. oh i lied oh my gosh i lied how would you val? have met val oh val yeah, and I met. Extras. yes oh, no 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 not even extras oh val and i so val is um was a part of a troupe in dallas who came to winsboro to our community theater that's right yes and so val and i met when i was in like middle school oh my gosh <laughs> So I would have met Val, but I never would have like been able to be a part of her life or her to be a part of mine. And so, yeah, that would have been a crazy thing. I mean, it's already crazy that like we actually met each other and then like all these years later, we're like in each other's lives. The relationship came to fruition. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that never would have happened, you know, if I, if I wasn't at the Lyric and gosh, who else? And we have several people who are what we might call lyric regulars who mm-hmm. audition mm-hmm. for every show or every other show because they love it. And then yeah. we have people that audition once in a while if a season of life permits, like Charlie Musgrove. Yes, Charlie. Oh, my gosh. I had heard stories about Charlie mm-hmm. from being in Dr. Ewan's classes. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like this myth, this legend <laughs> in my mind, like in all of the coolest ways. I was like, oh, my gosh. Who, like, who is this guy? Like, Dr. Ewan loves him so much. They got into so many adventures together you know in their their times at Harpane and even after and so truly like meeting Charlie for me was like meeting a legend I was like oh my gosh this is really him I know so many things is that weird is it weird that I know so many things about Charlie what would you think if someone referred to you as a lyric legend uh you gonna make that face again (laughs) (laughs) um I would be really uncomfortable I don't know Um, I don't, I would be really uncomfortable, like very flattered, obviously, but like, I don't think I would know what to do with that as I don't know what to do with it right now in this moment. (laughs) Well, there you go. Just in case someone asks you that in six months, you have time to formulate an answer. Yes. Thank you. I'll I'll tuck that one away because I'm sure that's going to be a very pertinent problem in my life. But, oh my gosh, I just, I love that our theater brings together people like Mm -hmm. you, whom the Lord has placed here for a time for Brownwood to be your home. Yeah. And for various other people who moved to Brownwood and people that live here or from here are like, why did you move here? Yes. And then they come to theater and we're like, this is why they're this here. This is why. This, this is, is why. the reason. It's the and community. Isn't it grand? Gosh, it it's grand. So as we wrap up in the last little bit um, with this interview, I want you to give a little teaser to all the listeners about what's coming up and you can't take it with you. Okay. Um absurdity and just delightful chaos 
and sweet, sweet familial moments. I get to be her sister again. Karen and I am so excited. I feel like I tell you that every day that we see each other, but I'm, I will never stop being excited. I am always excited to be your sister. Yes. You will forever be my babe. 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 (laughs) And you'll forever be my Meg. Um, so yeah, yeah. So just delightful absurdity and it, it really is. So the way that I've described it to people, it's, it's almost farcical I mean it is it's farcical Um, and it's almost like emotionally slapstick that's not a thing that we normally like two (laughs) words that we normally juxtapose but I feel that's the impression that I get is it's almost emotionally slapstick just because of the social dynamics and there are some really truly like sweet authentic moments and that's those are some of the things that I keep telling some of my friends about too I'm like look we're here to melt people into the floor with the sweetness and also maybe make them cry with laughter probably hopefully Yes. crying with laughter yes also yes. that and so Always. it's it's just gonna be a delight and i i'm really looking forward to people seeing it because you will not be able to not smile there you will just your i hope that your face hurts from smiling when you walk out the door that is my hope for this show um i think we all need a little levity i think we all need a reminder of the good things mm-hmm. um we need a reminder that we can exist in the chaos together if we that choose we can find to be our joy. a family and a community yes and if we choose to find the joy in those things and i think this show is very much about that so it without is. spoiling any of the plot lines that is fundamentally what you will come to see and what you will hopefully grow to love as much as we already do oh we love it we love it and we laugh at ourselves every oh, night gosh. i think at the same line yes yes <laughs> yes that's still funny yes Oh my goodness. And so that show is called You Can't Take It With You, a 1938-39 play by Moss Hart. The set is going to be great. The characters are going to be great. I'm excited for those costumes. The cast is just stellar. This cast oh, is stellar. Oh, I'm so excited. Everyone is so with it and just Working so Working together funny. like a well-oiled Truly, machine. Yes. Yeah. It's a great team already. Yes. It's incredible. And so. I would say that most of the lyric teams, casts that I have worked with, I call them teams, um, casts that I have worked with, zero drama, which is funny because we're all in this for d- drama. Truly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but zero. The good kind of yeah, drama. Yeah, the, the good kind of drama. Lots of the good kind. No catty backstabbing drama. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's no drama. There's no backstabbing. There's no feelings getting hurt. It's just... You know, if you don't know how to do it, we'll help you figure out how yeah, to do it. Yeah, and I think that's what family does. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the beautiful things. Okay, so to wrap up, Cash is going to read for us her dramatic piece chosen from uh, one of the plays by our very own Dr. Nicholas Ewan yeah. called Mouthpiece. And mm-hmm. when was that? That was on the lyric stage when? Yeah. Um, when, oh, gosh, when was that? 2019? 2019. Yeah, okay. Yeah, summer of 2019, I believe, because this was the one we took to Scotland to okay. the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh. And so it was on the lyric stage first. We debuted it. Um, I think we debuted at Dr. Ewan's church. I think that was actually our first. But okay. then we ran here, um, and then we packed up and took it to Scotland. Amazing. And it was, oh, it was magical. It and was you're incredible. reading a monologue by which character? Yeah, this is Jessica. Okay. So this is the wife of the senator. Um, If you didn't see the show, the senator gets into a car accident with his mistress Mm. and uh, sustains a traumatic brain injury. And um, it's it's this whole incredible plot, and it's just so human. And it it calls you to ask questions that it doesn't give you the answers to about Mm. who we are and who God is and what that means for our lives. And it's amazing. Um, And just like a good teacher, Nick asks a lot of questions to make you think instead of just trying to give you answers that are easy, you know, because it rarely is easy. Um, So this scene is Jessica coming to her 
semi ex-husband. I can't remember where they are in terms of like divorce proceedings in this part of the show, but um, he's he's basically torn their lives apart with mm-hmm. his choices. And so this is her to her almost ex-husband. I wasn't, I wasn't going to come here. I told myself not to come here, but I knew that you'd be here waiting for me. And I couldn't. We've met here every year on our anniversary at exactly 6.15. And every year until now, I, I knew you. I knew who you were, and I knew what you wanted, and I knew, I knew what we were. And now I, I just feel like, I, I feel like I'm sitting next to a stranger. Don't you know what you're doing? Don't you know that you're hurting me? Don't you know how broken and messed up I am? Stop it! Just stop it, please! I can't can't hear another word. Just please stop. I'm I'm sorry. I know know you can't help it. I know that you've been going through a lot. I guess... I guess I just wish that for five minutes... For five minutes I could have my husband back just so I could hear your voice. Welcome to another episode. (laughs) Scratch that, Paul. We're going to start at four minutes. Another episode. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Waxing Lyrically. If you enjoyed today's show, please take time to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And above all, please share it with a friend. This is your friendly announcer, Kurt Schneider, thanking you for your investment in live theater. Goodbye for now. Before you say you love me, forever, never stop, never